Well, we're here on Ascension Sunday to talk about the subject of Jesus ascending up into heaven. We know that he did that. Uh, we're going to turn to the book of Luke and see what Luke had to say about that event in Luke 24, beginning in verse 44. Luke 24, beginning in verse 44, Jesus had just appeared to his disciples for the final time. It says, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then notice he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts, continues the account here in Acts 1, verse 1. Same author, different book. He starts off in Acts 1, verse 1. He is writing to the person who sponsored this book that Luke wrote about the history of the church and the story of Jesus. So he starts off his account by saying, in my former book, Theophilus, which was the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So once again, he mentions Jesus dying, being buried, being raised from the dead, and 40 days later, ascending up to heaven. And notice as we read in the previous chapter that Jesus had to open their minds to understand the scriptures. And we start to see that as Jesus ascends up into heaven, the apostles really got the point. They went back to Jerusalem filled with joy and started the commission that Jesus had given them to do about preaching the gospel. So the ascension took place on the Mount of Olives, which was in the little town of Bethany, less than two miles outside of Jerusalem. And as Jesus was blessing them, giving them a final blessing, God took Jesus and exalted him back to the right hand of the Father in heaven. Now the response of the disciples is to worship Jesus and to return in joy to Jerusalem and to bless God continually in the temple from that, that day forward. So I want to call the title of this sermon, The Ascension of Joy. Now, why were the apostles so joyful 
when Jesus finally left them. You know, ordinarily, when a loved one departs, whether it's on a long journey or maybe their time comes and they die, we don't usually rejoice. You know, all you have to do is go to the airport and see the, you know, departing flights section and people saying goodbye to loved ones. There's usually crying going on, hugs and crying. But why was it that the apostles rejoiced after Jesus left? In order for that crying to be turned into rejoicing on the part of the apostles, they had to be assured of two things. So let's look at these two things that the apostles had to be assured of so that when Jesus left, they could rejoice. The first thing is, the first thing that they had to be assured of was that Jesus was going to return again. So it wasn't goodbye forever, it was goodbye for a while. And it's the same thing with us when we look at our relationship with Jesus. We have to believe that this life is not the end, that Jesus didn't just live 2,000 years ago and now he's gone forever. We believe, as the apostles did, that there's going to be a reunion with the one that we love. So you see, goodbyes are not so hard when, you know, grandma goes on a trip or your kids are sent to college or your kids go to camp. You know that they're going to come back. So it's only for a short time. That's what the apostles felt, and that's why they came back to Jerusalem joyful. It wasn't goodbye forever. It was goodbye for now. Notice in Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 25, this is what Jesus taught them while he was still here. He taught them that he was eventually going to have to leave, but it was only going to be temporarily. Luke 21 and verse 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for books to be written. Now, you know what? It would help if I was in the book of Luke. Luke 21 and verse 25. Sorry about that. It says this, Jesus talking about the end. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So over the course of Jesus' earthly ministry, he continually reminded the apostles that he is going to return. He's going to have to leave them, but he's going to return. So the apostles were able to have joy. It wasn't goodbye forever. It was goodbye for a time. And of course, they didn't know, as we don't know, exactly when that time is going to be for him to return. And don't forget, that's what the angels said to the apostles, too, in Acts chapter 1. Back here to Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascended up into heaven, verse 11. Verse 10 says, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, angels, 
Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So he departed from the Mount of Olives, went up into the air. We just assume from that that Jesus will come down from heaven to the Mount of Olives once again, just as he departed. But it's going to be quite different at that time. He's coming in glory. He's coming with his... Uh, angels and he's bringing with him those who have died in Christ so it's going to be a fantastic time a times that our our minds can't even imagine what it's going to be like so the separation was not final we will see Jesus again the Apostles believed what Jesus had told them it wasn't goodbye forever but he was going to return so that's the first reason how they could go back to Jerusalem after Jesus departed with joy. They didn't feel so sad about it because they knew that they would see him again. Now the second reason why the disciples could feel joy after Jesus departed. The second thing that they had to be sure, assured of was that the separation was going to be best for Jesus and best for them. The separation was going to be best for Jesus and best for them. So the ascension of Jesus back to the Father's right hand was an ascension of joy because it meant that the greatest possible blessing would come to Jesus and to his followers. So it was a blessing both ways. Let me explain. For Jesus, it meant a reunion with God the Father. And you can imagine how he longed to be with God the Father once again at his side, being able to see him face to face. After his 30-some years here on earth, being able to go back to heaven and back to what he used to be before he was incarnated as a little baby in a manger in Jerusalem. So it was, a, it was a reunion for Jesus and God the Father, and Jesus was now going to be exalted once again in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And being at the right hand of the Father means having all of the authority, all of the power that he once had before his incarnation, it was given all back to him. So we can't compare in our minds to what a blessing that would be because we have all always been mortal and on this earth. We can't imagine what it would have been for Jesus once again to be exalted, to have all of the things back that he once had with the Father before he came down to this earth. It's a great blessing. It's a joy for Jesus Christ to get back to the right hand of the Father. And, you know, sometimes we get depressed and discouraged about how this earth is and how this fallen society is. And you know, sometimes it's a burden for us to be on this earth and to live on this earth. We all enjoy our, our life, our families, the blessings that we have in this life, but it's, it's draining. It's, it drags you down sometimes to live on this earth and to, to live in this society. I mean, the earth itself is beautiful. But it's just this system, this society on earth that we have to deal with. Uh, you know, if I was Jesus and it came time for my ascension, <laughs> I can imagine myself saying, so long, fellas, 
and good luck. <laughs> I'm out of here <laughs> once and for all. I'll be back, but I feel sorry for you guys having to stay here, you know, in this society, this fallen society. So it was a pleasure for Jesus to depart and to go back to the Father. Now, it was also a blessing for the apostles because for the church, the apostles, of course, and the rest of the believers, it meant that they would now share in the benefits of Jesus' exaltation to the right hand of the Father. There were blessings that were going to be coming their way as well because of this event. Turn with me to Philippians 2, verse 8. Philippians 2, verse 8. Here, Paul is talking about Jesus' experience here on earth and what happened afterwards. It says in verse 7 how Jesus came down as fully God and fully human. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Notice verse 9, therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. So this is Jesus now that he's ascended back into heaven. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it was a good thing for Jesus to go back to heaven. He is exalted uh, he has now received the glory that he had with the Father before the world was even made. So that's the benefit for Jesus. But what about the benefits for the church now? Let's talk about that a little bit. In Hebrews chapter 10. So Jesus' ascension into heaven was a blessing both ways. For Jesus, but also for us. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 11. We see that when Jesus sat down at the Father's right hand, it signified that the final payment for sin had been made. Okay. Verse 11. Day after day, he's talking about the physical priesthood on earth during Old Testament times. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, his death on the cross, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So the ascension of Jesus, when he went back to the Father's right hand, is the seal that everything has been accomplished to cover all the sins of those who trust Christ and are sanctified by him. So that's the first benefit that, that, that comes our way because of Jesus ascending back to the Father. When he sat down at the right hand of the Father, it was like the completion of his duty here on earth. He came to be incarnated as a, 
fully God and fully human, born as a baby, lived out his life without sin, went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, was buried, was resurrected from the dead, and now ascended up to heaven, his job is done. So we look at his ascension into heaven as the final seal of approval that God has given him, and it also now is a blessing for us. Our salvation is taken care of fully. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, once we claim him as our personal savior, we are forgiven totally of all of our sins, past, present, and future. It's like we walk around with a banner across our chest saying, forgiven. That's our standing with God right now. And when he sat down at the right hand of the Father, that job was totally finished and complete. And don't forget, Scripture also tells us that Jesus went to, to heaven to send us the Holy Spirit. He said at one point, unless I go back to the Father, I can't send you the Comforter. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. It is a down payment on our salvation. By having the Holy Spirit, we know that we are saved. And Jesus' work is complete. But there's a, a second blessing that comes our way because of Jesus ascending up into heaven. We'll turn a couple pages back to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. We know that when Jesus went back to heaven, he became our high priest. He didn't leave and just kind of turn us loose on this earth to fend for ourselves. He now serves in the position of our high priest, an intercessor, intercessor between God the Father and us. And it says here in verse 25, Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for, him, for them. So when Jesus went back to heaven, his work with us wasn't finished. He saved us by his death on the cross, but he continues to serve us as our high priest, our go-between between ourselves and God the Father. As our high priest, Jesus is now mediator or go-between with the Father, guaranteeing access to the Father forever. So we never have to feel cut off from God the Father. Jesus is there to intercede for us whenever necessary. And he's going to do that for all eternity. So we've seen two benefits we have from Jesus going to heaven. First of all, it signaled the completion of salvation for all who follow Jesus. Secondly, it signaled the beginning of Jesus' ministry as high priest on our behalf. And thirdly, the ascension of Jesus is an ascension of joy for us because it means that he now reigns supreme over all of our enemies. What do I mean by enemies? Well, our struggle in this life is not really against visible, physical opposition. But our struggle is against principalities, powers, and spiritual armies of wickedness. Enemies that we can't see. Enemies that we can't really sense. We have the assurance now and the confidence, Scripture tells us, that Jesus now reigns supreme over all of those enemies that we have. I'll turn to 1 Peter 3 and verse 22. 1 Peter 3 and verse 22. 
He's talking in the, the uh, previous verse, verse 21. It saves you, talking about baptism, how it saves us, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So he reigns not only over the obedient angels, the angels who continue to serve God and mankind, but he also reigns over those angels, principalities and powers who rebelled against God. And they have now become our enemies because we know that Satan is against God totally. And not only, only is he against God, but he is against anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Anyone who is a son or daughter, a beloved son or daughter of God, and of course, we become that when we accept Jesus as our Savior. Just as Jesus is the Son of God, we become sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. He restores the relationship that we should have and now do have with God the Father. We're encouraged in the Bible to now call God Abba, just as Jesus Christ called the father Abba, an endearing name, like dad or daddy or something like that, Papa. Scripture encourages us to think of ourselves in relationship to God the Father in just such a way, because Jesus has made it possible. By his death on the cross, he has restored a relationship between us and, and the Father. We've been reconciled to God the Father. Why? Because our sins have now been dealt with. Our sins have been forgiven totally. So we have righteousness, not by any of our doing, we have righteousness that has been credited to us by Jesus Christ. So we struggle day by day against principalities, powers, and spiritual armies of wickedness. And it is precisely these that Jesus has now conquered by his death, and he now rules over them by his ascension. And he's seated now in a position of power once again at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ is king over the universe, and there is nothing Satan can do about it. Satan is in submission to Jesus Christ. And that gives us assurance and confidence. Because we know that we have the power of Jesus Christ himself to help us when we're attacked by Satan and his forces. So just as the apostles were joyful when Jesus left them, they may have shed some tears, but they were able to go back to Jerusalem with confidence and joy. And they did, continued on the work that Jesus had given them to do of preaching the gospel, starting at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and all the world. And that work through the church continues today. But the reason that uh, they were able to be joyful at the time of Jesus departing was because they knew that it was best for Jesus. He was going back to the place where he should be and needs to be and is exalted to be at the right hand of the Father. But it was also good for the church. It was the validation of Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. 
It was the beginning of his work as our high priest and also the beginning of his empowerment as king over all the enemies of the church. So the ascension of Jesus Christ was the ascension of joy. And it's something that we should certainly celebrate and be happy about. And God has shown us now the benefits, not only for Jesus, but for the church of why that happened. And it was a part of God's overall plan since the beginning. So let's rejoice and give God thanks for that. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for opening our minds to understand the scripture. We know Jesus did that for the apostles, and we know that he does that continually for us through the Holy Spirit. And Father, as we study today this subject of the ascension of Jesus, we know that you are very happy to have him back with you. He was sent here for a purpose, and he fully completed that purpose. And now he's back with you where he should be. And he's not just there to be exalted by himself, but his work for us continues. And we appreciate that. He is our high priest. He is the king over all of our enemies. And that's because he was successful in fully completing the job you gave him to do here on earth. So we thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, as to how all of this has benefited us. And we will worship you and thank you for all eternity. And just as Jesus has gone to heaven, we look forward to the time that we will be there with you too. And we know that we're going to be joyful for, for all eternity with that life that we can't even imagine what it's going to be like. But Jesus has told us and encouraged us that it's going to be fantastic. So, Father, thank you once again for calling us to salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your gift of grace toward us. We want you to know that we love you and appreciate you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.